We began a few weeks ago to talk about this counterculture life to which God calls us. A life that doesn't go with the flow. It isn't just along in the stream, but a life that is apart from it. It's different for a reason. Not just because we're weird or odd, although people may think so. But because we are making a choice to live in a different way, to live counter to the culture. And when we make that choice, to live counter to the culture, to to go against the tide, to, to go against, swim upstream, so to speak, there are certain risks that we take. What kind of risks do we take? Well, obviously, we could risk being misunderstood. That happens a lot. When Christians speak up, when they stand for biblical values, biblical principles, biblical truth, very often we're misunderstood, sometimes intentionally so. We risk being rejected or marginalized, pushed off outside the realm of discussion. We're not even worthy to enter the conversation. When we make the choice to live lives that run counter to the culture, sometimes we risk losing friendships. People that we know and when our lives begin to shift out of that world-centered life into that Christ-centered life, those friends have a harder time being in our lives, being around us. There's just automatic guilt being in our presence. We didn't do anything. But as we shine the light of Christ in our lives, it begins to shine into their lives and they begin to see things that make them uncomfortable. So the easiest thing to do is not change but to move you out, to get you out of their lives. We risk not being accepted in certain social groups because we no longer do the things that they do or act the way that they act. We risk being labeled something that we aren't. Hateful, bigots, homophobic, whatever it might be. Getting that label slapped on us because we're not just willing to go along with what the culture and society says. Now, of course, in some places, if you live a life that's counterculture for the cause of Christ, you risk life and limb. We've only gotten the tip of the iceberg here, but in many cultures, to be Christian, to live a distinctly Christian life is to put your life at risk on a daily basis. And so regardless of the level of risk that you would face in taking these stands for what is right and true and just and biblical, regardless of what that level of risk is, you need to ask yourself this morning, and and I want to challenge you to ask yourself this morning, am I willing to take risks in order to live a life that is distinctly Christian, that runs counter to the culture? Am I willing to take those risks? Now, that's an important question because if you're unwilling to take the risk, it means you've got to go with the flow. If you're unwilling to take the risk, it means I will compromise here, I will compromise there in order to fit in, in order to be accepted, in order to be thought well of by this group or this group or this group. And so today as we come, let's honestly ask ourselves. You know, Jesus 
he had these parables. He said, listen, if a, if a king's getting ready to go to war, don't you think he wants to stop and take time to count his troops and count the troops that the enemy has and then figure out, hey, is it smart to actually wage this battle? Or if someone wants to build a house, don't they first sit down and count the cost before they begin construction? I guess that's what we're talking about here. If you say, hey, listen, I want to follow Jesus, not just in baptism, not just when I'm here on Sunday morning, but I want to follow Jesus when I leave here on Sunday all the way to the time I get back the next Sunday. I want to be a follower of Jesus 24-7, 365. Are you willing to take the risks involved in that? And there are risks. And as we've seen, those risks will get greater as the years go on. So thus far in our series, we've considered what it means to be people of integrity. That is, people who stand for truth in a society where everything is kind of in shades of gray. There really isn't any truth or falsehood. It's just whatever's true for you is true for you. Are we willing to be people of integrity in that kind of a society? We considered what it meant to be people of courage. That is, people who have a boldness. Now, again, with gentleness and respect, but who have a boldness to take a stand for Christ in a generation where anything goes. Where one God's as good as another. One faith is as good as another. Are we willing to be courageous to take that stand? And today, and it's fitting because it's a Sunday prior to Thanksgiving We want to consider what it means to be people of gratitude whose lives are marked by an attitude, a heart filled with gratitude. So I am convinced that it's impossible. It's impossible for these next two things to mix. It's like matter and antimatter. You just don't put them together. What are those two things? So, We're going to do it by asking you which attitude best reflects your life. And I'm going to give you a choice. It's in your handout. It'll be up here on the screen. Which attitude best reflects your life? Am I grateful or am I a grumbler? Now, some of you are going, what what is a grumbler? What's that all about? Well, a grumbler, actually the word actually kind of tells you what it means to grumble. Grumble kind of just sounds like, uh, anybody ever had one of those rock polishing machines? Some of you have that? Put those rocks in there and they just kind of churn, and they're just tumbling over and over and over. Or when you put like three or four pair of tennis shoes in the dryer. You had not done that? Y'all do that just for the fun of it, just to hear that. That's kind of the grumbling. It's, that, it, it's not an out and out what you, you, know, you heard yesterday when the Bulldog fans were getting upset at the way the game was going and they were yelling. No, yelling is not grumbling. Grumbling is that stuff you do under your breath. The, the, another word is murmuring. You, you remember, may remember that, that the children of Israel murmured in the wilderness. And it's that same murmur, that, it's that sound. And it, it just means it's this, this, low, uh, this low noise, this grumbling noise that's made because you're not content, you're not satisfied. So here's the deal. Grumbling and murmuring, they're the same thing. And the Bible warns us against them. And here's, here's the trick. You can't be a grumbler and be grateful 
at the same time. The two don't mix. You cannot be a grumbler. You cannot grumble and at the same time be grateful. Why? Because if you're grumbling, let me tell you the the sentiment behind grumbling. The sentiment behind grumbling is, I deserve better. This isn't right. I deserve better. Now listen, I didn't get a chance to watch it all, but uh, I got a chance to uh, kind of follow um, uh, you know, my football games, uh, my football teams, North Carolina Tar Heels, I went to school there, so I'm following them. They're having a great year, and they played Virginia Tech yesterday, and it was kind of a tough fault game. And there were times that I was complaining, and there were times when I was grumbling. I really started grumbling after Nancy told me to quit complaining. So I kind of took it underground. But what, what, what was I saying there? Listen. I'm sitting here watching this game. I've taken time out of my day to sit here and watch this game on TV to pull for my team. And I deserve better than this. Why aren't you guys playing better? Why isn't the defense stopping this team? Why isn't the offense scoring more points? Why are I deserve better than this? That's exactly what, and you look at it, you step back and you go, man, that's just a dumb attitude. But that's exactly what's at the heart of grumbling. I deserve better. And that's not just true with football. It's true with life. I've had so many people who sat in my, my, my office and turned on their rock polishing machine. And it just, you know, over, it's just grumbling. This, this sound of just discontent turning over and over and over and over. So if at the heart of grumbling is I deserve better, what's at the heart of being grateful? What's at the heart of being grateful is I'm actually thankful for what I've got. It may not be much. And other people may have more. But I'm grateful for what I have. And those are two entirely different things. And they don't mix. You cannot at one time say, hey, listen, I'm really, really thankful for what I have. And I deserve more. They don't go together. And so you need to ask yourself this morning... Which of these more accurately reflects my life day in and day out? Now, sure, I have moments of grumbling just like you have those. And I have moments of gratitude just like you do. But which one more accurately reflects your life? If you had to get it, if someone, listen, not you. Let's say your husband or your wife, your mom or your dad, your son or your daughter, your coworkers, your fellow students, whatever. If they had to give you a t-shirt that either said, I'm grateful or I'm a grumbler, what would they give you? That makes it a little different because, so you don't want to pick that t-shirt out for yourself. But if you let somebody else pick it out, what are you going to get? Each of these attitudes, whether you're grumbling or whether you're grateful, each of these attitudes that we have come from the heart and they affect every part of our lives. So let me ask you a second question. Which would you rather be around? A person who's grateful or a person who's grumbling? Nancy, don't answer that. Which, which kind of person would you rather be? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? We don't like to be around grumblers. Not unless we're in a grumbling mood too and we just want to have kind of a grumbling choir going on. Most of the time, we, we kind of avoid those people. We don't want to be around that. But man, we want to be around grateful people. Because grateful people are completely different. 
And so this morning, I want us to hear what God has to say, because God actually has a preference for us. If God were to say, here, listen, this is the t-shirt I'd like you to wear, what would it say? And so I'm going to give you three portions of scripture. The first one we heard a little bit earlier, but let's, let's, let's listen to these and, and really listen to them. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. And this is what we read in those verses. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to, if you say, hey, listen, I need to memorize a verse. This, 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 is a great, this is a great portion of scripture to memorize. To remind yourself of every single morning when you get up in the morning and every single night when you go to bed. Get, get up, you know, have it printed on a coffee cup so you can see it as you're sitting there grumbling over your first cup of coffee. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we're not finished yet. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 20. Be very careful then how you live. I like that portion by itself because most of us aren't careful how we live. But it matters. And so we begin. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, are you getting the impression that gratitude and thankfulness might be something that God would actually have to be hallmarks of our lives, to be indicators of the kind of people we are? I mean, it's not that, you know, Paul was just writing, he threw it out once. It's like everybody Paul's talking to, he's telling them, hey, listen, don't forget to be thankful. Don't forget to be grateful. Why? Because he knows, he knows how infectious grumbling is and how easily we become discontent with what we have. And so he's constantly reminding us, look at this, give thanks in all circumstances, be thankful with gratitude in your hearts to God, giving thanks to God, always giving thanks. What's he saying here? He's saying that gratitude is the thermometer of your heart. If you want to know the temperature of your heart, look at how grateful a person is. You can tell a lot about what's going on inside of a person, whether they either grumble or are grateful. It's revealing something that's, that's deep in here. It reveals to me what my heart is like. It's an indicator of, of the priorities I have in my life and the things that I'm focused on. 
And we typically think of being grateful as being tied to our circumstances. Because, hey, listen, on Thursday, you probably you sit around the table. Maybe it's a tradition in your house. Hey, what are you thankful for? And typically, we're, we're, we're throwing stuff out. Hey, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. Okay, we tend to tie thankfulness with the actual circumstances of our lives. And so when things are going well, and there's money in the bank, and there's food on the table, and, you know, we've got enough detergent to wash our clothes that week. When things are going well, then, okay, gratitude. But when things aren't going well, eh, I don't have to be grateful over here. But gratitude shouldn't be tied to circumstances at all. Let me ask you, do you know where Paul was when he wrote about being thankful and singing gratitude in your hearts to God and always giving thanks to God for everything? Let me tell you where he wasn't. He was not on a pleasure cruise on the Mediterranean. He was not sitting back on a lounge chair, soaking up sun and drinking sweet tea. It's not where he was. He also hasn't just finished up a two-week-long revival at First Baptist Church of Corinth where he's been getting fried chicken every single night and people have been coming to Jesus and they're going to baptize about 50 the next Sunday. No, that's not where he is. Where is he? He's in jail. He's in Rome. In jail. He's locked up. He didn't know whether he was going to get out tomorrow, whether they have to stay in the rest of his life, or whether they would come, take him, and kill him. And in the midst of that, he goes, Hey, listen, be thankful. Give thanks to God. For everything. In other words, gratitude and circumstances don't have to go together. We can be grateful even when things aren't going well. Think about the people you know. Here, here's, there's fringe benefits to being grateful. Think about the people you know that are really, really grateful people. People who have Thanksgiving just pours from their hearts. What kind of people are they? They're joyful, aren't they? Their lives are happy. They're, they're, they're content. They're satisfied. They're at peace. They're also generous. Generosity doesn't grow out of wealth. Wealth and generosity, to be honest, have nothing to do with each other. A person can be greedy. A person can be greedy and be wealthy. A person can be generous and be wealthy. A person can be greedy and be poor person can be generous and be poor. The difference is not how much you got. The difference is in the attitude of your heart. Am I a grumbler or am I grateful? And how you answer that to question determines whether you're filled with joy and contentment and generosity or whether you're filled with discontent and greed. So how do you go from being a grumbler to being grateful. The good news is we don't have to guess at this. God's, God helps us out here. How do you go from being grumbling, from grumbling to being grateful? And the first thing that you need is a new heart. The old heart, the, the, the heart that, that we're, this heart of sin that is in us, it, it, it beats in rhythm with the world. And its values 
and desires are shaped by the world. And, and it's really easy to fall into it, okay? I mean, I, I confess, I fall into this. So I'm sitting, you know, a couple years ago, um, my truck finally decided to give up the ghost. And so I traded and I, I got a little Mazda, a Mazda 6, nice, nice car, has some bells and whistles on it. Nancy was kind of afraid because, I'm, you know, I'm getting a little older. She's got these things that remind me when I'm going out of the lane and, you know, it slows me down if I get too close to the car in front of me. And I'm thinking that's pretty, or if I'm backing out, it kind of warns me if someone's coming across. That's pretty cool. I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm kind of safe here. So I've got this car. It's nice. I mean, I still like it. I washed it yesterday, vacuumed it out. It was, I like my car. Would you believe that this year they came out with a new Mazda 6? And it has actually more bells and whistles. I've got heated seats. Nancy likes those. But now, they'll cool you off too. I'm thinking, what a sorry piece of junk I got. Well, no, not really. I mean, I'm really grateful for that. But do you see how subtle it is, though? No matter what we've got, no matter how nice it is, and no matter how how satisfied we were with it a few days ago, there's always something better, always something newer and more shiny and more attractive. And we're trained from very early on to be consumers in this culture. We really are. I mean, we, we are trained. And so we, we're constantly looking for something better, something better, something newer, something brighter, something shinier, something more. And what that leads to is, is a lack of contentment. And that, that's the heartbeat of the world. That's, that's the heartbeat of the world. But God has a new heart for us. And that new heart doesn't beat in rhythm with the world. That new heart beats in rhythm with God's heart. And we begin to desire and actually delight in the things that delight the Father. That those things begin to thrill us. And we find our joy not in more stuff that we can get, more things, we find our joy in the things that delight and thrill the heart of God. Listen, that means we we don't like new things, we don't get new things. But I can tell you what, there is not much better than watching these three children this morning be baptized because of their faith in Jesus. Knowing that their names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. Knowing that they have parents and grandparents and people in their lives and in this church who have invested in them and poured into them and planted seeds and watered those seeds. And now they're beginning to see that blossom shoot up out of the ground. That's what delights the heart of the Father. And it should thrill us a whole lot more than a brand new car or a brand new house or a brand new TV or a brand new video game. 
I, I mean, I don't know, maybe some of you already bought your tickets for the new Star Wars movie coming out. That's okay. I'll probably go see it myself. But do we anticipate, do we desire, do we crave the things of God and the things that God is doing? Do those things bring us the same level of anticipation and expectancy? I want our hearts to be changed so that our hearts begin to beat in rhythm with heart, God's heart. And the only way that happens is we have to get a new heart from God. We have to have a heart transplant. He takes out the old and he gives us the new heart. St. Augustine wrote 16 centuries ago words that I still reflect on today. He said this. He said, you have made us for yourself. Talking to God. You've made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. You can have all the stuff in the world and still have a restless, unsatisfied heart. It begins with a new heart, and some of you may need to receive that new heart today. A new life in Jesus Christ. And God can begin a new work in you this morning. Some of you already received that new heart and you've recognized that even then you find yourself grumbling. So what do we need to do? Well, you need to choose gratitude daily. Now you may be seeing a theme in this whole series. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, then you know I said that you have to choose integrity. And you may remember that I have to say that I that I said last week, you have to choose courage. You also have to choose. You have to choose gratitude. My daughter's life verses, Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Or I like the New Living Translation. Um, it, it puts it in really, really simple terms. It says, guard your heart above all things. Or above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Be careful to guard your heart because it's going to affect wherever you go from here. Your whole life is impacted by it. And if we are to remain grateful, grateful for our salvation, grateful for the people of God, grateful for what God's doing in our lives, then we are going to have to every day fight the enemies. Of gratitude. Did I put the enemies of gratitude in your handout? Did I put, let me tell you what those are. Did I tell you what they were yet? Let me tell you what they are. Not just because you need to fill out your blanks, but because you need to know the enemy that is going to try to make you discontent. The first of those enemies is greed. Greed. It says, I want more. I want more. The second of those enemies is impatience. And it says, I want more. And I want it now. I'm not willing to wait. I'm not going to delay satisfaction any longer. I want more and I want it now. The third enemy is envy. And that says, listen, not only do I want more and I want it now, I actually want what you got. I'm not happy with what I've got. I want what you have. And the fourth enemy of gratitude is pride. And pride says, Not only do I want more and want it now, not only do I want what you've got, I actually deserve this. 
There's no reason I shouldn't have this. No, I haven't worked for it. I haven't saved for it, but I sure still deserve it. I'm better than this. Those four enemies are constantly stalking your heart, trying to transform you from someone who is grateful to someone who goes around on a daily basis grumbling. And you have the choice. You have the choice as to whether you'll be a grumbler or whether you'll be grateful. Tomorrow, sometimes it's hard to break bad news to people. Tomorrow's Monday. Now, for some of you students who are already out, that's not a big deal. But there are two attitudes that you can wake up with on Monday morning. One says, thank God it's Monday. And the other says, oh God, it's Monday. On the one hand, we wake with gratitude and expectancy. God, what do you have in store for this day? Or on the other hand, we wake up with dread and discontent. And we start our day cutting on the rock polishing machine. And we begin to grumble. And it carries on. Now, here, here's, here's what you need to know. Not only do grumbling and gratitude not go together, but grumbling affects your witness. Amen. We said that people don't like to be around folks that grumble. But when you tell someone, hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. But you see, you've been, that person you're telling that to, they've probably been watching you. And they've been, they've been listening to you. And they've noticed your attitude. And if you come in there and say, listen, let me tell you about my Jesus, how, what kind of difference he makes in my life, they're going to look at you and go, I don't think I want any of that. Because you came in here last Monday and you were a bear. Nobody wanted to be around you. Where was Jesus then? I mean, did you like leave him at church? He didn't get in the car when you left on Sunday? What happened? What they're going to say is this. Listen, if your Jesus can't change your life, then how in the world do you think he's going to change mine? If your Jesus can't fill you with joy, then why should I think he's going to fill me with joy? If you, listen, if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, you've got a reservation in heaven and God's living in you right now, why aren't you any more grateful than you are? Why do you spend all your time grumbling? It impacts your witness. And we as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to understand this. We've already been told, listen, be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. What he's saying is you need to choose. And you need to choose daily. And you need to choose gratitude. Because gratitude grows out of a heart that understands what we have from God. Gratitude in looking at what other people have got. And gratitude. Gratitude reflects the new heart that we need and that the world needs to see. And so, I wish, I wish I'd thought enough to print them up. I think it would have been worth the money. To have t-shirts that you could choose as you left today. 
I am grateful or I am a grumbler. But even without the T-shirt, you get to make that choice. And I just want to encourage you to choose wisely. Let's pray. Father God, we are indeed grateful for all that you've given us, but sometimes our lives don't reflect that. We kind of listen to the world and those enemies of our gratitude have have attacked full force. And Lord, our hearts get to be a little greedy. We get to be dissatisfied. We start envying what other people have and get impatient that we don't have more and have it now. Lord, we start to resent what other people have. Lord, we want to make a choice right now. Having received a new heart, Lord, we want to make a choice right now to be people who reflect an attitude, a heart attitude of thankfulness and gratitude. We don't want to be known as people who grumble, people who gripe. We don't want to be known as ungrateful. For God, you have given us your son. You have given us life eternal. What in the world do we have to grumble about? And so, Lord, I pray that for us who are believers, that you would so fill us with gratitude that we would overflow. And Lord, for those who need a new heart, a new start, a new beginning, I pray this might be their time, their moment. Draw them to yourself with irresistible cords this morning, Lord. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.